Well, hello there, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast, number five communication podcast in the world. And thank you for being a part of that. Now, the purpose of this podcast is to share compelling, not just ordinary, but compelling and helpful insights and tools that you can use to communicate more effectively at work, which means, of course, getting uh, more green lights getting your way, having more influence, uh, not being overlooked. Uh, Communication is the number one success skill. You've already seen that. And we're about having conversations that change hearts and minds because you can Google all the facts where, you know, it's like a post fact situation. You need to be able to use your facts to create stories, to create conversations, to change hearts and minds to build your culture, and leave people feeling heard, understood, and valued. And today's episode is called Slay the Q&A, because this is the number one situation or issue or conundrum that gets people very nervous, Those that Q&A at the end of a presentation. More than the presentation itself, that Q&A. But first, a word from our sponsor, because today this episode is sponsored by the newest communication book called The Practical Guide to Effective Communication. It's available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. I wrote it, Laura Camacho, and I'm very proud of it. Uh, it has all about the communication skills you need to succeed at work and to get recognized for the value that you already can contribute. It's about being supremely competent. You already are that, but how do you take that competence and communicate it with confidence? That's what this book is about. It's introvert friendly and it has everything you need to get your point across to bring more value to the table and to get credit for what you already contribute. The book has great illustrations. It has places for notes. It has a communication style assessment. It has conversation starters. It has so much. I don't want you to sit down and try to read the thing from beginning to end. It's really, it's almost like a mini handbook. There's chapters on presentations. There's chapters on difficult conversations. There's uh, chapters on, or a chapter on emotional intelligence. I just took each of the big situations and wrote a chapter about it. There's stories uh, from people from companies that have great cultures and how they weave together the communication and the culture. So it's a really value-packed book, and I highly recommend it. It's called The Practical Guide to Effective Communication, and it is available on Amazon right now. The Practical Guide to Effective Communication. All right, on to our content for today. There's no guests except me. It's me and you talking about the Q&A. And this is something that it took me a long time to really get that. When people are nervous about presentations, they're nervous about a lot of different aspects of it. Mostly they're afraid of looking stupid. But even someone who feels pretty good about their communication in a presentation, they they often have so much anxiety about the questionings, the questions at the end. They're, you know, afraid that they're going to be asked something that they don't know the answer to. 
So that's the anxiety that it can really stop them from giving a really good presentation. It can freeze your brain. That's a topic I talk about so much that when you have that anxiety, your brain is not functioning as well. So you, you want to come up with tools that when I have a whole truckload of them to help you function despite that anxiety, and then the anxiety starts to go away. So the first thing I want you to realize about the Q&A is that it's not a pass-fail. It is not a test. People are not trying to fail you. They're not usually not trying to make you look bad. And if somebody is trying to make you look bad, then you don't need to worry about them because that's a much ser- more serious problem that you probably cannot even solve. So I want you to see that I want you to just reframe the whole idea of questions as quests. Get it? Quest a search for more information, a search for a better answer, or a search for insight. Like they want more from you. It's not that they're trying to get you, usually, is that they want to continue in a different vein. And sometimes people do want to hijack it. I mean, they want to take your topic and change the conversation to talk about their topic. So that also happens. But most of the time, people want more information. And if they're not asking questions, that is not good. If, if they're not asking questions, it could be that they're bored or they don't care about what you're talking about. And that is a much worse problem than any Q&A. So you want to encourage people to ask questions. In fact, you might even ask them questions at different points during your presentation. So the, but the first point is that the anxiety is because you're afraid you're going to be asked something that you don't know. It is highly unlikely that they ask you something like, oh, what's the square root of 5,000? Because actually you could do that on your computer or your phone. They're not going to ask you a question that you have no idea about. They might ask you a question you're not fully informed about, but you do know something about it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes though, they could ask you a question about a specific number. This is especially for you finance people, and you may not have that number, but you still would have uh, some information about the direction, whether it's, uh, you know, the importance of that number or why it's important or what direction is that number moving. You probably know something about the question. So that giving partial answers is fine. It's you're not going to be graded in the first place, but even if you still feel like you're being graded, partial answers are good. People sometimes ask me, can I say, I don't know, but I'll get back to you. Yes, you can say that. But I think in my experience, after thousands and thousands of conversations with super smarties like yourself, usually the people being asked the question know something. They just don't know the whole thing. And so I want you, like, let's say that you're being asked, we'll call it the whole enchilada. You can give them a nacho. Let's pretend they're asking for a four-layer wedding cake. Give them a cupcake. I mean, you can give them something, and that is often enough. If it's not, it's still better to give a partial answer than no answer at all. So I want you to see... That the questions are good. They shows people are interested in your topic. They're interested in knowing what you have to say on it. It's, a, it's an opportunity for you 
to give people more information or more inspiration or more instruction, right? So questions are good. I want you to just totally change the way you think about it and don't be happy if they don't ask questions. I want you to encourage people to ask questions. All right, that's the reframing part. See it as a good thing. Partial answers are good and encourage people to ask you questions. Now I'm going to give you like a process that four steps, all starting with the letter A, and you can write these down and you just follow that when you're asked a question and you will look so good. You might even get a promotion. I mean, I've had people using the information from our conversations actually get cash bonuses because they did such a great job in the communication task. So it could happen. All right, so the first step, there's four steps. They all start with the letter A. Acknowledge, acknowledge the question. And I know we've heard the trite, oh, what a great question. And you don't have to say, oh, what a great question. But you could say, oh, that's an interesting question. Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. I was meaning to talk about that. Or you could even say, I was hoping nobody would ask that question. But since you did, or you could say, Oh, that's, that's such a good question. I hadn't thought about it that way. Every once in a while, I get that. And it is good. It is good to have somebody help you think about things in a different way. And it's good for the person asking the question to have their question acknowledged. That's uh, building the relationship. That's showing that you appreciate the fact that they took the trouble to ask you a question. So acknowledge that. Remember, we're, que- we're in a quest, a quest for enlightenment, a quest for a better solution a quest for an answer to a situation. So number one is acknowledge the question. Number two, advise your audience. Advise them. And by that, I mean contextualize. Contextualize does not begin with an A. So I use the word advise. Give them some background information on the topic. Say why it's important or why it's not important or why it's relevant, or something about the topic. For example, if somebody asks me about communication, well, I will certainly jump on that and say, I'm really glad you asked that, because I am, because, you know, my family, they stopped asking me questions decades ago. They all know everything they think about communication. But you can say, that is really good that you asked that question, because that shows curiosity about this aspect of the topic. Or I'm glad you asked that because this is a new topic. Let's say, oh, I forgot the name of the thing that the, with with the cyber currencies and the, like the pieces of art, those uh, non-tangible assets, something brand new like that, where it's actually being developed as we speak, like a, such a hot topic. Maybe you have some insight on that. Maybe the encyclopedia hasn't been written on that topic yet and, and your team is working on it. So contextualize why it's important or why it's not important or what about the topic does the audience need to keep in mind? That's you informing, inspiring, instructing your audience. And then do you answer the question? To the best of your ability. Doesn't mean that you have to be the freaking encyclopedia on the topic, 
but you are an expert. Otherwise, you would not be talking in the first place. So give them an answer. Keep it to the point. You can give ask for more information. I mean, you can give them more information later. Uh, here's some good sentence starters for answering the question. Let's say that you're not, you know, that you're hyper conscientious, which I know a lot of you are hyper highly conscientious, meaning you you really want to have the thing tied with a bow before you share it. So you could start the sentence this way, the way I see it, and then give the answer. Or what I do know is, so that's when the people, when people say, should I say I don't know? Yeah, you can say what you don't know, but I would much rather hear what do you know about it? Because you probably know something. And then a third alternative, what I have observed is such and such. So that's letting people know that this is not, you know, ready for prime time necessarily, but what I'm seeing right now is such and such. Or what the what I think is going to happen is such and such. So give that answer. And even if it's not provable in a court of law, it is your informed opinion and you are an expert. So answer that question. That's number three. And by going through this process, by the way, let me sell it a little bit. It's your answer is going to be so well received. Think about a diamond, just a loose cut diamond on your desk. Imagine you walk to your desk after listening to this podcast and there's this a million dollar diamond and it looks pretty good, right? But then if you put it in a setting, it looks so much better. People can appreciate its value much better when it's in a nice gold or platinum setting than just a loose diamond. So this for a quadruple A process I'm giving you is a structure for you to present your answer to the audience so that it has more value, frankly, because when you just bluntly answer the question, which isn't bad, but it's not giving, is not giving the full service. Okay. All right. Finally, number four, ask, does that answer your question? Would you like to know more? Would you like for me to set up a follow-up meeting? Would you like, you know, additional information at a later date? You want your presentations to be conversational. It's not, you are not Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with this, you know, quarterly business update. I mean, that may be the situation, but you, if you are listening to this, you are a super smart cookie and you are delivering more value now, even what you're paid for right now, I would guess, that's most of the people I talk to, they're just about to be promoted to senior director or vice president. So go on and start adding value like that leader. This is what senior leaders are coached to give answers in this way so that they don't have to repeat themselves, so that the answer lands better to begin with. So anyway, four A's. Acknowledge the question, advise the audience, meaning to contextualize, advise them on the topic. Number three, answer the question, even if it's a partial answer. And four, ask questions. You can also ask a question that maybe checks for understanding. You know, that depends on your topic. But 
when you ask a question back, you're closing the loop. You're showing that you are supremely confident. You are showing that you are the expert. So that is my slay the q and I don't want anybody to be super nervous about the, the answers, answering questions. I want you to be excited. And I want you to start putting yourself more questions into your presentations, making them more conversational, and you're going to see a huge difference. So that's it for today. This is a mini episode, Slay the Q&A. You know, I love to hear from you. And that's it for now. I will catch you at the next episode. Have a great afternoon or morning. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.